0: Hey, it's Lisa Carlin of Attacking Third. After playing soccer for over 20 years, I'm pretty particular about which cleats I wear. And when it comes to attacking, speed matters. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace. The cleat is built to offer overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. You know the instances when the ball is just a step away and you have a split second to react and hit the perfect shot.
1: A nylon outsole with a V-shaped stud configuration engineered specifically for use on firm ground. The Furon 7 Plus is lightweight yet supportive. And the hypo-knit mesh lining upper construction is paired with offset lacing for a true strike of the ball. Learn more about the Furon 7 Plus at newbalance.com.
0: Yes! What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another exciting installment of the Golasso podcast with the CONCACAF World Cup qualifying slants. It's your two favorite former U.S. Men's National Team players, Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce. And today, we're going to talk about the road to Qatar. We always knew it was going to be a little bumpy. Sometimes, it feels like a little bumpier than usual at this particular moment. After falling short against Canada on Sunday, Greg Burhalter and his men have left themselves with no margin for error, heading into the final four rounds of World Cup qualification. And it's getting a little dicey. Must win time. Everybody, right now, Golasso is starting. Do not go anywhere. All right, everybody, you know the drill. Hit like and subscribe. If you're watching on the YouTubes, leave us comments. Let us know how great we are, how handsome we are, because you can see our beautiful faces. And if you're just listening to us, Please leave us a five-star review. Let us know how much you love the pod. Anything else you want us to talk about? You guys have the power to do that. That's what's great about social media. It's all democratic. You can say whatever you want. It's not democratic. It's not Democratic. Keith Pierce has chimed in. <laughs> yeah. Keith Pierce, Sorry. welcome. Sorry, I, just tried oh. to, I, I tried to extend the intro as long as possible. No. To see how long I can go before you feel like you need to talk.
1: No, no, no. I uh, And also in your intro, you you, you tee up with your two, two of your favorite former uh, players. I think we might be able to just say two of your favorite uh, based on the performances of this men's national team right now. It doesn't have to be former. <laughs> it can just be current. Not current, but just anybody in all history. I don't think there's anybody right now that's exactly – tipping the scales in their favor in terms of their performances for the men's national team right now. But we're going to talk about all that in this preview. We are. I'm excited
0: excited as well. Obviously, a big preview for this Honduras game at home. Now, fun fact, everybody. The last time the U.S. lost to Honduras on American soil, I got two yellow cards in the first 17 minutes. We got red carded. I got red carded. My last ever U.S. men's national team game. Mm -hmm. I went out in a blaze of glory. And I remember, Heath, you were on the team. You didn't start that game, but you remember thinking the ref had it out for me, and he 1,000% did. I got two relatively cheap yellows, and we ended up losing 3-1. That's the long story short. I was gutted. I feel like I'm still – I got to call my therapist right now. And be like, oh, my God, I got – somebody reminded me that it was my last ever national team game, last time Hunter has beat us. I'm sad. I'm sad. Yeah. So you know what you're doing what I'm doing right after this podcast. Yeah. Well, listen, to,
1: to put it into context, obviously an email goes out with a bunch of notes on the uh, game notes. And obviously, uh, that's sent out to everybody across CBS and and it tells you sort of historical facts and things like that for mm. everybody that's listening or watching this on YouTube. And Jimmy's name was highlighted in bold in there for uh, his uh, <laughs> infamous moment with Honduras. <laughs> obviously. Oddly enough, and on a on a less, less uh, exciting note, Jimmy, was that your official last cap for the national team? Was, was it? Was
0: it? It was, and yeah. I was captain. Like I, I, ticked every box, and I, and I was in LA where I was from. I had two hundred people there supporting me, and I got two yellow cards in the first seventeen minutes, and I was out. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that was That's- it. But it's it's, heartbreaking. I mean, listen, my, my last match in Major League Soccer was with a red card as well. So I think sometimes you just yeah, gotta Kindred leave that spirits. mark. Hey, you'll always be on some sort of stat sheet somewhere, you know, <laughs> as opposed to just being like, you know, this guy faded off. But uh, you it know, was, the good thing is, is that, that that the US has been very good against Honduras historically, that's dating that's back that's to true. almost that time. Um, and and I don't think they've lost to Honduras in a very long time. So I, I think the if anything, the last, the last the time,
0: the last time we lost to Honduras was in 2013 in San Pedro Sula during World Cup qualifying. It was a 2-1 loss. That was kind of the beginning of the end mm-hmm. for well, no, I guess Jurgen. It wasn't. It he got. I mean, he lost, That was in 2013. So ultimately, we came back from that. But but that was there was some signs there that you could see that maybe Jurgen isn't the right guy, which quite makes me help me. Because I don't want to talk about Jurgen, Let's segue into the manager we do have, Greg Berhalter. And I just want to put my flag on the ground right now, Keith Pierce, and just say right from the get-go, because I want your thoughts. We're going to talk overall themes. I believe that a Greg Berhalter can't get this team to beat Honduras at home. Honduras, by the way, are the worst team in CONCACAF by a country mile. By a country mile. Then I think that's grounds to fire him. You bring in Jesse Marsh, you give him a month to kind of get settled into what we want to do and prepare for the next window of games, which are going to be very difficult. Mexico away, Panama at home, Costa Rica away. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it's going to be really squeaky bum if we can't get a result here. All three points against Honduras has to be a win, can't be a draw. Then it can, I mean, it can mathematically be a draw, but it has to be a win because of how bad Honduras is. I honestly would probably start to be a lot more vocal that that Greg's got to go it's just not working bring in Jesse Marsh and then he gets this last window gets us the guitar and then he can
1: lead to the guys there what do you say to that I mean it's tough to say part of it makes me wonder how the how the rest of it plays out on the day I mean one thing is a draw another thing is a loss I also I it, let me actually take a step back so it doesn't sound like I'm walking around the point Jimmy I agree with you if if you can't beat the worst team in crunk World cap world got, qualifying at the we, time that you have you need yeah, a change exactly you got to make a change my worry is we did the same with Jurgen Klinsmann with Bruce Arena, and there wasn't a response. Obviously, the U.S. went on. Then I think to batter uh, Honduras after Bruce took on the reins. It was like five or six zero or something like that. It was right? in Orlando and, and yeah. it was
0: Panama, I think. But was it, it Panama? It, either way, we we slapped them around. It was and it, it, what it felt like is that the boys thought they already qualified. I'll oh, we'll go down to Trinidad against their C team. They got nothing to play for. Very similar to this Honduras team who've been eliminated mathematically from qualifying for 2022 they got nothing to play for. Their manager's throwing out all kinds of crazy stuff. And, and that's a team that I fear a bit because they've got nothing to lose.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, you're right. They've, they've definitely got nothing to lose. I think that's a, a dangerous thing. But they're still they're still the Honduras team that we've been watching over and over again, continue to not get results. Now, we saw the second half, the U.S. responded the way that we played against them. Um, we saw a very different side than the, than the first half side. And Honduras have been bad since then, right? Um, obviously, you can see here, USA are undefeated at home. In World Cup qualifying final rounds, four wins and a draw, I think that plays into the favor of the U.S. I think this the, 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 the current state of Honduras plays into the favor of the U.S. The fact that they don't have a coach who's not happy and he's speaking publicly about this is, is a problem for them. They look in shambles. Again, I think there's always that dangerous recipe of a team that's down but not out, but this team is out. And even when they're out, like they were against Canada, they still struggle to do anything against El Salvador. They still struggle to show any sort of signs of life of saying, hey, all bets are off, and therefore the pressure is off of us. We're just going to play freely, and that can lead to something. They just look bad. They look by far the poorest team in CONCACAF. The U.S. should be able to handle them. If the U.S. cannot win this game, then I do think you change Greg Burhalter. Now, maybe Jesse Marsh is the answer. Maybe he isn't. I haven't really wrapped my head around that idea. He would be the natural next uh sort of and he's
0: available i mean we always thought we always thought oh he's an rb leipzig he's gonna be there for a while it doesn't make sense maybe he'll take over for 2026 even if he i don't even know if he wants a job he might be more of a club guy right he likes the more of the everyday approach but if we lose and this is dangled in front of him as an option and you only really have to put in six months of a world cup qualified it's like oh actually only one window you have like eight days to Mm -hmm. get the team qualified and they're, they're on the cusp of being of being a special team we can see we have special players we're just, we're just blocked but right Jimmy, does now. It and I think it's a combination.
1: Does it come down to one game? If the U S wins this, they're basically one win out of three or even a point out of three uh to qualify for a world cup. And now I get we're talking about it. managerial change. Like, is it really coming down to this? I mean, for me, more of the systemic issue that I'm running into is I've been, I've been racking my brains the last days of saying like, are we better off now than we were when we started qualifying? Are we a better team? are we are we uh, is it are we more comprehensive are we more complementary are we more of a co- like cohesive unit and I'm not sure that we are and you and I've talked about this whole like you need to be a seven or plus you need enough sevens eights nines and tens to, to win any game in World Cup qualifying at, at any at, in, in any uh, uh, confederation sure sure but then I start to think about that as an individual performance and I go well I remember having times where you 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 are a year six or a seven, somewhere in there, you're not having your best game, or the game itself, the style of the game doesn't play into your uh, best capabilities, right? Whether a team's sitting back or depending on your position on the field. And I always looked around at my teammates, whether it was you next to me, whether it was Carlos Bocanegra, DeMarcus Beasley in front of me, others around me, and I think, okay, but we can win this as a unit, right? Our game plan helps us to win games. And that was a system. That was the way in which we defended collectively. That was the way in which we attacked collectively. That was the creative ideas that we had in the build-up play. That was uh, a mix of individual moments uh, as well as uh, collective, cohesive movement on the ball, movement off the ball, just all of these things that make you feel like a team. And I look at this team right now and I go, where is the cohesion there? Where is the identity, Right. Well, are we a pressing team? Mm -hmm. We sit back and I know that's fluid, right? Depending on who you play against, but we're supposed to be quote unquote, the best in CONCACAF. Well, at least we were going back a month ago. And and yet somehow... Uh, we can't figure out how to break teams down in the attack. We can't figure out where our goals are going to come from. We can't well, figure out how to st- keep teams stone cold, especially a Mexico or a Canada where they play different styles of play. We can't seem to be the one dictating these things that says, hey, we're a better team than them. And we might not have everybody fine. Christian Pulisic might not be at his best, but we're still going to win because collectively we know how to win these games.
0: I, I, I love your point. What I'll say is I think this was clear in game one of this world cup qualifying against El Salvador away from home where we had trouble breaking them down and we couldn't create these clear cut chances to really put us in good spots. You know, I, when I look at the El Salvador game, the second one at home, I came out of that going, we, we, we actually did create clear cut chances. We just didn't finish them. So I have room in my heart for, for that because that's, what's been created. When I look at the Canada game, we didn't really create that many clear-cut chances. We're talking about Paul Areola going the best goal in CONCACAF history with a bicycle that just missed. And, and you're talking about Weston McKinney having a header that's still in the wheelhouse of Borjan, but he made the save. And then and then we didn't get a, a really good look or a, a chance in the run of play until the 60th minute with Brendan Aronson. And even then, he hit it right to I mean, mm-hmm. that that troubles me more because Canada, obviously, is is – Better and more organized than El Salvador, but well, we but had that- better,
1: we had more shots than them, we had more possession than them, but their xG was higher than ours, right? On the few ch- fewer chances that they had, they made more out of it, or were in better spots to 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 win games. And if the U.S. had gotten into those same positions and didn't. If they had gotten the chances against the U.S. that Canada got against, if they have, if they get those chances right against Canada in the way that Canada got against the U.S. and we yeah. don't finish those, I would say that's a game that we should have won because those chances were clear. Right. But when I look at it on the flip side, I don't remember any chances or clear chances in and around the box that the U.S. was really making them uncomfortable. You know when you feel that pendulum swing and you know a team is sort of on the ropes. And when you're on the field, you know that, right? Where you're like, okay, we're leaning on them a little bit. And maybe you can't watch, see it from the stands. But you know when you've got that rhythm where – they're now late to second balls. They're, you know, you almost create your own luck. 50-50s drop mm-hmm. your way and all those mm-hmm. things start to go your way and you can feel that momentum coming towards something. I never felt that for the U.S. that all of a sudden we've rounded this corner and you're like, okay, now something's coming. You know? And usually the game that's fluid, it's rhythmic. You know when there's that momentum swing and I just don't know when the U.S. has that. And when they do, it doesn't last very long and it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like we've now stepped into this world of domination. When you look at the quality of the players that we have, the clubs that they're playing at, the experiences that they have, we should be... The, the hardest part should be the collective part, right? We should be able to rely on them consistently as players, but the collective part, because it's a national team, not a club team, is the hardest thing that comes to. But now you've got this long run of games and success to build on, right? Of fighting spirit and all the things that have given us success. And I still look and I go, okay, this game fought hard as a unit. Next game, I don't know if we, we really did, right? And we lose that game to Canada. So I'm wondering if that's players uh, not buying into the system consistently, or if it's the coach changing the system. I'm just wondering culturally, do we have the identity that we need? I'm not even thinking about the World Cup. I'm talking about just World Cup qualifying. But didn't we did we, we have... show
0: this though? Didn't we show it in the Nations League? Didn't we show it in the Gold Cup with two different squads that we did have that spirit, that we it's were the same winning as games? Canada built
1: it on. We built it on that. That was the foundation, right, right, but I don't right. see that foundation right now consistently. So so yeah, I guess that that I mean, we I remember coming out of
0: those tournaments going, ah, we didn't play well. But we did what we needed to do to win those games, and we but wasn't that the players. judgment
1: on these players is would they be willing? Would they be willing to wear the crest in a certain way that we didn't see in the 2018 cycle? Right, pride of crest, that's fighting, that's whatever. We can try to play beautifully all we want, but the foundation of playing for the national team has always been that discipline, that that pride of playing for your country, of you fighting think- together, of scrapping games and whatever. I, do you think we've lost some of that? It, it's hard to think
0: that we lost that as quickly.
1: Uh, away as from home, Ma- maybe uh, away
0: from home against the best team in CONCACAF. Clearly the best team in CONCACAF. Better than everybody else. Mexico, everybody. And a lot of it, as we've discussed, has come down to identity. They know who they are and what they're about. And they play to their strengths. They acknowledge their weaknesses. And they they are very good at that. Is the expectation too high, Jimmy, that we, we can't I, I think be so. that? We need to be better well, than that? I, I When I think about identity and, and, and kind of listening to the words that just came out of my mouth, I think that we know what our strengths are, but I don't know if we're willing to acknowledge our weaknesses. And, okay. and and maybe that has made our expectations out of whack. Maybe we're not as good as we think we are. You've said that before. And and there are flashes of of our brilliance and our potential. But ah, this is this is a tough one for me because um
1: I don't think it's doom and gloom, by the way. I just—I don't that think so either. No, I think this is the, this is the uh, 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 a shifting of one say say five to ten percent that swings one way, and we can't beat Canada. Oh, that is so Bob. Bradley view. that's so Bob Bradley. No, view to, I, I do think it's, it's marginal. gonna tilt I, the bar. <laughs> no, yeah, tilt the bar. No, I, the bar. I, I do think it's marginal. I think it's <laughs> marginal <laughs> differences that make us the team that's built on no, agree, a foundation I agree. of fight, and then the rest you earn that right to play, and the rest comes through the talent, which is I think this the better way, and we've earned the right to play because we, we know we can fight. You know what I mean? Like it's like establishing right, it and earning right, it every right. single day versus knowing you have it um, in your back pocket but trying to play a different way that's not built on like earn the right to play, fight for 50-50 balls, win the space on the field, and then the game opens up and the talent wins your games.
0: Okay, what I'll say, and, and, and to kind of further what you're the, the track that you're on, I get the sense, and this is an evolution of where we are as a team and our talent pool as well as the, the education and evolution of our fan base and our journalists and, and everybody that's in this, right? Developing the game in this country in, in all facets. We've gotten to a point where before I feel like everybody was just like, let's just, let's just lean hard on that spirit and fight because that's essentially what we have more than anybody else. We, we have that, we have control over it, and, and that's our, we're going to build our foundation on that. Now we've gotten to a point where well, we got players playing in Europe, winning Champions League trophies. Now there's an expectation that not only should we win and have that fighting spirit, but we got to play well. It's got to be aesthetically pleasing. And we have a manager who wants to play like prime Barcelona with Javi in the, the pulling in the strings. When We might not have those guys. And I don't even know if you can bring that type right. of methodology into a national team. And that feels more... Like an everyday club, maybe start with your youth academy to, to instill that type of methodology, and then it continues to build and flourish with the first team. So there's a lot going on here, and I think that's leading to this, this eruption of frustration from us because I think we want everything all at once. And as we've learned countless times through CONCACAF yeah. World Cup qualifying, it's just not that easy to have I it do. all our way all I, the time.
1: By the way, to shift shift back to, to, to this Honduras game as, as a preview, I, I think the U.S handles Honduras. I think they beat them. and I don't think Greg's job is on the line after they get that result. I think, I think we continue to move forward. Again, uh, I'm still curious about that identity, but I think the US will rise to this occasion. I think we're at this very fine point where you're starting to feel that flashback of 2018. It's a little bit stressful. But there's always been this window in World Cup qualifying where it's not easy, right? There's always this tension point that's at a peak. Maybe it's a game before, maybe it's a game later, where it's like the U.S. has to step up. If you go back again to to 2009, 2010, Jimmy, that was that. We go down to Costa Rica, we get beat, we play Honduras, we're down a goal, we come back and we beat Honduras at Soldier Field at home to sort of right the track. Then from there, you have Confederations Cup, Gold Cup, and all that stuff. And then we follow through with the rest of qualifying. But there was always that tense point of like, something's not right. Um, And we're not playing well and the team's not getting results. And we're not like we're, we're having to uh, climb our way out of these things. And again, I think we should hold this new group to a different standard uh, because of the quality that they have. Uh, Otherwise we'll never get past that point. I think we will, we need to hold them to that standard because it has been pretty inconsistent, especially with this many games into it, right? We're talking about 10 games as opposed to what, 14 games. So we're 10 games in, it would have been the end of qualifying um, before, whereas now we're talking about 14 games um, to get to the end of, of, of qualifying. So I think there's always been that tipping point, uh, and I think we're at that, and that is a win. I, th- I and and what I'm excited about is a, is against the worst team. Now, again, that could be flipped upside down as as the opposite of what you want, right? Uh, you want to go and compete against the best and prove yourself. But I think this is the one where you can really round the corner and put a comprehensive performance together. Which I, you know, I go back to Jamaica where I think it was a comprehensive performance in 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 Austin. I think that was a pretty comfortable. Uh, when I think about, was it Jamaica? Was that the Jamaica game?
0: Yeah. Jamaica. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Two zero. Yeah. That was a pretty comprehensive win. Uh, Pepe, Pepe did well there. I think about the second half against Honduras, we did well there. And again, all of that, when you look at the way the team played together, Jimmy, and I think they need to do this against Honduras. It was a very, it was like a pride of team and there was nobody above the team. And I'm not saying that's the case right now, but there was just this rhythm of buildup play, you know, the overlaps, the ball in, out, out the mm-hmm. other side, a, a speed and a purpose in possession, uh, a, a way of what you were constantly trying to break teams down on the fly. Um, and I think about this, by the way, when I look back at Canada and I think about Honduras, if, if Honduras are going to sit deep, maybe the U.S. should sit deeper and draw Honduras out and sit a little bit deeper to spring out on counterattacks just to force them to be imbalanced. And I think sometimes our high press in certain situations and the way that the team press against Canada we got the ball back in good spots, but it allowed Canada constantly, because we didn't make anything of it, right? When you get one, two, three mm-hmm, touches, mm-hmm. can you get to goal? Um, it allowed Canada to constantly always be sitting in those blocks and never really uh, vulnerable. So can we create a little bit of a trap system against the Honduras that forces them to come out and play out and sort of build up certain ways that leaves them exposed? You know, they send their fullbacks high or they don't keep their six sitting in deep um, in front of the center backs. Mm-hmm, can we mm-hmm. then counterattack against that? Can we just find different ways to pull them out or draw them well, out and make them comfortable.
0: You know that I love team shape and and uh, I'll reiterate it here. I think that good team shape on both sides of the ball solves about 95% of your problems. And I don't think you can always, or I actually prefer teams that on the defensive side are good at both. They can high press, but also are very comfortable dropping off and trying to hit you there. Because if you can get that adaptability within your team to know how to move in all these types of different types of situations... It makes you very dangerous because everybody should know where they're standing when we do win the ball and it should help us transition in a really meaningful way. It's hard to implement with the national team. You're just not around each other enough, but it would be nice to have some frame of reference that it's just high press or nothing, you know, and, and then we seem to be scrambling. And as we've discussed before, we get into potentially defending in ones and twos when obviously you want everybody on the same page and and attacking in ones and twos as well. By the way, Jimmy,
1: that, that six zero was a Honduras game. Bruce's first game. Oh, the, first back from one. the heart, That's right. Heart, it was in, Jose. Yeah. in San Jose. Yeah. I was yeah. at that
0: one and I was in yeah. Orlando for the other one was four zero and they thought they were cruising and they went down to. Yeah, we don't have to revisit it. Yeah. So let's talk about this game against Honduras at home. Obviously, everything is pointed to us having a pretty comprehensive win just based on talent alone. Now there's talk that the game could be minus 10 degrees when it kicks off. I'm not happy with that. They could move it indoors at the Minnesota Vikings Stadium, I guess, if they wanted. There doesn't seem like there's any contingency plan. It's going to be miserable. That's going to probably take away from the aesthetically pleasing uh, Greg Burhalter that wants to put the ball in the ground and play. It just, could, it just could suck, right? It probably will. Now, we add to that, Tyler Adams is out with a hamstring injury. It's being reported that Chris Richards could have potentially broke his foot.
1: Dude, I, which, I mean, there's him on social media in a wheelchair. So, so like he's not
0: and That's not only good for this game but it's also for the next window when we start to look at at things. And I just want to throw this out there while on midpoint about this preview that if we win this game at home against Honduras and then we beat Panama at home in the next window I think we're fine. Whether we're no matter here. what the results are yeah. in Mexico and Costa Rica, we got if we win our two home games, we're going to qualify for the World Cup. And yeah. and that's that's as simple and as plain as I can say it. Now, with Chris Richards out, I think Zimmerman's going to come back in. Apparently he had a hamstring injury and if it was a knockout game, everything to play for. He would have been in and starting against Canada, but because they had, you know, obviously got to be thoughtful and think more- long-term as well. They rested him. And I feel like his presence was missed, especially in the intangible department and in leadership and communication. He's going to be back in with miles Robinson, who definitely needs to pick up his game. I did not think he was sharp in a lot of different ways against Canada. Now, also we have Tyler Adams out. Kelly Acosta seems like the natural fit. I don't think there's going to be any big shocks there, but yeah, do you, think it's, do you think it's easy there, a, a plug in place with, with the cost for Adams and, and Zimmerman in for Chris Richards? And then are you thinking about tinkering anywhere else? I think Ricardo Pepe gets the start, especially given his track record against Honduras mm-hmm. the th- last time they played.
1: Yeah, I want to see Pepe start. I think, again, he shows that energy. And again, I know he's not scoring, but he's showing this energy and this kind of impetus to go forward and, and create things. And that's what we saw in the second half against Honduras a lot of the goals came from just simple play from him and bringing players into the game and you know, getting into the box, getting into good spaces. And I don't think Zardes was timing in the box was good when we had mm-hmm. half chances. I don't think the balls would have got to him anyway because they weren't quality balls. But I think that willingness to always do that hard running freeze up space on the top of the box for a late run It allows other guys to sort of become more predictable and where they need to be in and around the box. And I think I'd like to see him into the, into the team. If it's not Walker Zimmerman, though, I'm wondering if, if he still has a little bit of a knock. Um Mark McKenzie. Mark McKenzie. And what I like about Mark McKenzie also though, is that his game is relatively simple, right? Downside is he's not playing a ton. He's been in and out of the team consistently for the entire qualifying uh, uh, of his club team, but he has a simplicity to his game. He matches up well, I think, uh, in, in 1v1 battles, but I do worry about those minutes played for for Mark. So I'm hoping that Zimmerman's back. I think he solves a lot of our problems, which is a little bit worrisome too, considering you go back a year again. We talked about it a million times. Well, Zimmerman wasn't part of, the mix of all this makes me wonder or hope for where does Aaron long fit into this long term as well. When he gets his health back, is he a slot in, in terms of something that we know Greg Berhalter trusts them. We know that the, the performances he's put together, he's athletic, he's long. His game is relatively simple as well of where he fits into this national team pool playing moving forward. But yeah, on, on the focus of this. Yeah. I see, I, I see Kellen Acosta slotting straight into this one. Um, I, I start to wonder uh, at a certain point, do you start Pulisic again, three in a row, or do you bring him off the bench? Uh, you know, are we talking about uh, the never injured Christian Pulisic or the one
0: that has a little uh, some some hamstring issues from time to time? I wouldn't risk him. Yeah, I wouldn't start him. I would I would bring him on as if if uh, Timo Weah, who I do think will start. And... I think Timo
1: Weah and Brendan Aronson are good enough. By the way, and sorry to jump in. Uh, it just no, stuck into mind. I think they're both good enough to get the result against Honduras. And and Christian Pulisic for the last twenty to thirty minutes is a superpower right that is a superpower that you shouldn't need but if you do you bring him on when Honduras has been pulled apart they're tired they're fatiguing they're a little bit slow to things and then you never and then you, and then you just unleash him and i think we've seen that sort of response and obviously i'd love to see Christian Pulis- Pulisic starting whenever we can but i think against this Honduras side you those other two players are capable of, of, of winning their individual battles to create things for the national team to get the result. And if you don't, you bring in this super sub. And Christian Pulisic as a super sub is better than any super sub we could possibly have for obvious reasons. I um, agree. And I you agree. you get 30 minutes of hardcore work out of him.
0: I don't think you start, Pulisic. I think, to your point, I wonder if even Brendan Aronson will start. Imagine if you brought in Aronson and Pulisic, if things aren't working at halftime, or you can bring him on with 30 minutes left and you want to kind of extend your lead or whatever – that's that's pretty formidable. I I, I could see him potentially, m- probably to the chagrin of a lot of fans out there, but maybe rolling out a Jordan Morris or a mm-hmm. Paul Ariola. Yeah, who, who who I just think that maybe they provide a little bit more verticality and, and allow us to stretch the back line a little bit more, which allows a Christian Pulisic or whoever's out there to come underneath. Because I think what happens at times, the more I think about it, and as everybody knows, how's this for a visual? I'm sitting by the fire with a pipe you know, in my pajamas thinking about Christian Pulisic and Fred Harrison, but, but they kind of do the same thing and they're both looking for the ball in the same spaces. Even if they're on quote unquote opposite sides of the field, we know that Greg likes to play the double number 10 and inverted wingers. And I just feel like they'd like to get it and come inside. And maybe we just need a little bit more of contrast, more contrast in how we're attacking to to provide, maybe open up space for Weston McKinney to pick it up a little bit higher up the field or Eunice Moussa, whoever it may be. So, I think we will see a couple of changes here. I don't think Pulisic would, or I don't think he should start, frankly. I, I agree with you 100%. He is a dynamite super sub, much to his chagrin, I'm sure, because Thomas Hucu, I think, at Chelsea sees him the same way because of his values. Just, he's so good coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know if it's J-Mo or if it's Areola or who he's going to go with. It, either one, I think, is going to cause problems for Honduras, but I think there has to be a little bit more of an emphasis on... And this is I Ricardo do like Pepe. J-Mo. Ricardo Pepe being the number nine, where where okay if Pepe goes drops back in, who's gonna stretch the defense and and I thought Pepe did okay again against Canada in that where he actually was actually running the channels and pulling a center back out wide which opened up areas maybe Josie zardas wasn't doing as consistently, but I think it's for me it's probably Pepe I I you know it's gonna be a coin flip for for J Mo or Ariola, I think Wea. In producer Des wants me to make sure everybody knows that he's never injured either, alongside Christian Pulisic. (laughs) But he got to rest against Canada, okay, Des. So he's going to start for sure, and then we'll see what happens there. Do you do you mix up Musa McKinney at all? Do you just roll him out for three straight games in eight days?
1: Man, I'm. I'm, I'm, I and our
0: outside backs, Anthony Robinson and Sergino Dest.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, again, you're just looking at a depth issue. Maybe you've seen your, Serginio Dest, you can get Reggie Cannon in there to be safe, but this is where you're going to want somebody with a little bit more attacking, right? You're going to have the ball more. You need somebody, and Serginho Dest certainly has that X factor in terms of being able to create goals on his own, set up mm-hmm. goals. His mm-hmm. final ball is probably the best of anybody we have in the national team of just looking, being able to pick out a player within the box and the run of play and things like that. So he's got a little bit of that X factor in and around the box that I would want also his craftiness could lead to opportunities like penalties and, and free kicks and things like that in and around the box. So uh, I, I think you keep Dest Robinson on the other side. I'm just wondering who you have to replace him. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think you have anybody. Uh, and so I, I worry about at least off the top of my mind, I don't think there's another left back that's in in camp right now, unless you move Sergio Dest to the other side, which we all know that we're not huge fans of. So I think you have to keep him in there. He hasn't been super poor. Again, he's he's good in the attack. So, when we can take those strategic risks to have those players higher up the field, I, I I like when they're both on the field. Again, it's all about balance and not giving up that counterattack. But Honduras, I think, are at a state where I'm not too too worried about that. But that's how I would go with in terms of uh, in terms okay, of okay. My back so
0: line. so so roll out your lineup from front to back. Or or back to front, whatever you choose. What do you what do you want to see, and what do you think Greg's gonna want to, or what do you think Greg's gonna do? These are these are, I think gonna be two different lineups.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean I, I want to see this consistency still, right? I still think you can play Musa and McKinney. Um, the only other thought outside of that is is you know who you can roll into there. Is there an opportunity to bring another De player? La Torre. In, you know, De La Torre, or can you can you can you put um, a player like say? I don't know, Brennan Aronson at the 10. And I know we've tried that before sure, and sure. higher in the midfield so that you can get another fight so like sit Jordan Morris and Timmo. Would send sit- S- 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 the six is Kellen Acosta? I just okay, don't think okay, there's Acosta. another option. And then if you had uh Musa or mckinney wanted to rotate them could you have another attacking player which uh-huh, as uh-huh. i'm saying that i don't think that's going to be the case you play moose sure, sure. and and um and i appreciate uh, you exploring that. it heath yeah like exploring yeah. the option yeah and then but if you did i think there could be an opportunity to rest and you bring in um brennan aronson into that spot um i'm not sure what the status of of um of um legit is by the way i i haven't seen him I believe he's in camp, right? Isn't his name on the roster? Or was I, he not I on the believe roster? so. Yeah. And, but yeah. he wasn't, I don't think he dressed in the last game, uh, at least from what I saw in terms of uh, players on the bench. And so I, I'm not sure where he fits into this whole thing as another midfield option that's a little more, you know, a m- little more predictable. But then you say Brendan Aaronson, and then you could have uh, team Wea with with Jordan Morris and Ricardo Pepe up mm-hmm, top. Now, okay. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it'll be more traditional with Musa McKinney. And then I think at that point you have Wea, you have, um, Wow, man. No, I'm Aronson. wondering now how you do. Aronson and and Ricardo Pepe up top. Weah because he's very vertical, right? You can get him down to the box, get balls in the box. And you need a striker like a Pepe in the box if Weah is going to be going down to the touchline. Brent Aronson, a little bit more crafty, comfortable in the space. But if you're not, they don't like Brendan Aronson on that side because he's less comfortable coming into those pockets when he's on the left side coming mm-hmm. in, Then, which is weird because he should be considering the balls on his... Back foot, but whatever. Right, He's right. more comfortable on the other side. Then maybe a Jordan Morris, who is more comfortable of just running at players to create space from from outside to in on that left side. So yeah, that's my thoughts. I know I'm jumping kind of back and forth, kind of working through my own thinking of yeah. what I think is best and what I think might happen.
0: Okay, I'm going to go with Matt Turner, uh, A-Rob, and Walker, Miles Robinson, Serginio Dest, Acosta with Musa McKinney. And I, I, I guess... Brendan Aronson, Timo way and Ricardo Pepe, but, but I'm not going to be surprised if Greg comes in with a uh, Ariola or Jordan Morris. I think that he is trying to mix it up a little bit. I think that Brendan Aaronson could still be, I think Timo way will start for sure. And Pepe will, will start, but that other wing spot, and maybe there's a little bit of a tinkering of how or where we want to catch it. I, I agree with you that it's interesting that Brendan Aronson, though when he played against Jamaica, I remember watching this game in Austin he did really, really well of running from inside to out to go pick up the balls out from the outside back and then somehow created a numerical advantage with, I think it was Anthony Robinson in that game. Now, I do like that at times, if 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 it is Brendan Aronson, almost encouraging him to come inside mm-hmm. and, and allow Anthony Robinson to go and then really telling Kellen Acosta, hey, you just might have to shift a little bit more to the left to cover for him so we can give him some freedom to go forward. It's going to be interesting. One of my big concerns, though, can we just get on the end of crosses? If they're giving us space to hit deep crosses, then hit the goddamn deep crosses in. And if we don't win the first ball, we, gotta, we have to win the second ball. We have to continue to put Honduras on the back foot. And I felt like we lacked a little bit of urgency if we talk about the game overall. So I want to see a little bit more of that. Obviously, I want to see, try to score on a set piece because we haven't done it in our first 10 games mm-hmm. in World Cup qualifying. So that nice. has to start to pick up. So I have a couple things, right? So like Mm -hmm. if I have goals of this game, I've got three of them scoring a set piece, turn Honduras around, really make it seem like we're dominant so that we, so when Greg uses it after the game, he's using it properly. And, and I, I want us to show some of that urgency that I think we were lacking uh, in that other game. It doesn't have to be aesthetically pleasing for me. It probably won't be given the, the the surroundings and the, and the weather and all that. But uh, there are some intangibles that I want to see us get better and just be a little bit more organized. I thought our lines were a little bit too big, Against Canada, and I thought they did a pretty good job of exploiting that.
1: What is your yeah. score prediction, Heath Pierce? I think the U.S. wins two uh, 0 I think again, it takes us a while probably to open them up. I'd love an early gold. not sure if that's going to be the case. Only because of the weather factor makes it hard for me to really yeah put sort a of like you know get that kind of gut instinct out of, out of the game like this um, because you know again I felt that that was a factor in Hamilton as well. Not even though everybody has to play in it, it just made it a little bit harder to knowing that I've been in games that are extremely extremely cold and there is a little element of that to to every individual's mindset. So I'm going to go with 2-0 two, uh, two uh, for the US. What about you? I just feel
0: like this team will will make it 0-0 zero zero just to just to make us on pins and needles the whole time and you know curse Greg Burhalter's name to the heavens and then all of a sudden We're going to score in the 75th minute and it's going to be some MLS player, much to the chagrin of all the MLS haters out there. (laughs) And we're going to win 1-0 when we should. Very similar to El Salvador, we should win, you know, 3 or 4-0, make it a little bit more comfortable. But I don't know. I feel like we're going to make it more difficult on ourselves than we need to. I hope I'm completely wrong. We score in the first 10 minutes like Canada's been doing in the last two games and then they can just sit back and counter and then score another one and call it a day, which I think will lend itself to your particular scoreline. But it doesn't seem like this team wants to do
1: anything easy at the moment yeah, I mean, my final thoughts before we, we we go into our little quick break and talk about the other games is that, again, i'm I'm starting to think through like, how can we change certain things to draw players out, draw teams mm-hmm, out mm-hmm, that are obviously, mm-hmm understanding how uh, realizing and recognizing scoring first teeth scoring yeah. first yeah, it we, is, it is we've got two
0: we've have two first half goals in 10 world cup qualifying games i'm gonna add, actually add that to my list of goals i, I mean i want us to score a
1: set piece in the first half yeah they, they put it That's put it all to together two goals and two goals into one no i, yeah. I, I agree i mean uh, scoring first i think is a big thing but then if not if the game settles in how are we m- moving collectively to be able to You know, like I said, defensively, is it better to sit back to just draw them out? You know, make them have to cover more ground because they're totally comfortable springing out on the counterattack. We're seeing that now teams are consistently playing the U.S. that way, which is a sign of respect. But now it's a sign of strength uh, against the U.S.'s inability to break it down. So can we do things in real time, drop our lines deeper defensively, pull them out, draw them out, do all these things that could create more, at least clear cut chances for us?
0: All right. I'm just going to state officially that I'm nervous. And I'm not going to, not be nervous until we score first and <laughs> until, we, until we be in control until we win, everybody. All right, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, we're going to break down all the games that are left in this last game of this qualifying window. And there's some big ones as well. So don't go anywhere.
1: Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this, too. That's why you need Robert Half.
0: everybody. Welcome back to the Kegelosso podcast. This is your very special U.S. Men's National Team versus Honduras preview. But there are other games that are happening in this window in the octagonal in CONCACAF. We're going to get into those. But first, I want to mention that to mark Black History Month, U.S. Men's National Team's very own Kellen Acosta sat down with a trailblazer for the team. And one of our former teammates, Eddie Johnson, for an amazing interview about his journey from humble beginnings to the U.S. Men's National Team playing in Europe of course, being my teammate in MLS. And you can watch the full interview on the Kegel also YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe to the channel while you're there. And give a shout-out to Kellen and Eddie Johnson, two really important players for our national team, both in the past and in the current version, we wish Kellen Acosta, we think he's going to start the very best against Honduras. We know he can do it. He had 21, he had 21 caps in a single year, by the way, Wild. last year, Congrats which, is, which is almost more than I had in my whole career for five years. So uh, fair play to Kellen I set Acosta. the record in 2008,
1: Jimmy, for like, I think it was like eight or of, 10 of, games of anybody. I played the most games in 2008 of anybody in the national team. And it was, I think it was eight or 10. Wow.
0: Yeah, yeah, he had like 20 or 21. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous.
1: It is It is wild. I only had 27 total caps, and he
0: almost matched that in, in a calendar year. So fair play to Acosta. A ton of experience, and we're going to need all that experience against Honduras. But let's talk about the other games, Heath. First one up, El Salvador versus Canada. They're almost there. I feel like they've punched their ticket. I feel like they're one win away. El Salvador, big win in Honduras, by the way, 2-0. But they're essentially out. I don't think they're mathematically out yet. And Canada hasn't, isn't mathematically in the world cup, but they gotta be like, l- they don't want to wait till the final window to get it done. You want to get it done as soon as possible. So you can yeah. relax. What are your thoughts on this one? Cause El Salvador are pretty good at home. All things considered tough to break down.
1: I, I actually think this could be, a, end up in a draw and I'm going to predict a draw on this one, just because I think mm. El Salvador have some pride on the line, home crowd um, and a little bit left of kind of, we saw some flashes of El Salvador that's never really come to fruition uh, they don't score a lot of goals at a cer- certain points. They've been very good against the bigger teams in terms of not giving up a lot of goals. So I could see them maybe not scoring, but I could see them going to a, 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 a zero-zero draw with Canada dominating by and large, creating a lot of number of opportunities, but just coming out a little bit lucky. Uh, but 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 with a point, uh,
0: are, and, a, and a point might be enough. I think twenty-five points is going to see them through to the finish yeah. line. But but uh, given that everybody's still got to play each other, they might even be fine with twenty-two. I, is El Salvador I just think your we biggest forget. surprise?
1: Uh, uh,
0: like underwhelming or overwhelming? No, over like El Salvador. I thought they were going to be easily be the bottom team.
1: No, I, I thought they would be good just because watching them in the Gold Cup, they just had a True. little bit of this. They had a little bit of this fight to them that I was like, oh, this is going to be tough. And they, they, you know, that's in neutral neutral grounds. Whereas you know, playing at El Salvador is always a difficult uh, challenge. And that's why I think sometimes we forget because we go on these string of results like playing El Salvador away is a very difficult match for anybody. Yeah, yeah, and I know yeah. Canada are very good, but Canada are still going to go down there and quickly realize the same conditions that the U.S. struggles in and Mexico struggles in and those types of things. So I think I think a draw might, might get a draw out of this one. I think Canada's going to do it.
0: I don't think they're messing around, man. John Herdman has these guys locked in and they've got that goal of qualifying for their first World Cup since 86. I know we repeat it, but it really is impressive based on how well it they've is. been playing. All right, next one, Mexico versus Panama. This is very big, as we just saw. With the table there, Mexico currently in third on 18 points. Panama was 17. Now we're second on 18 points. So we're just a point ahead of Panama as well. This one is massive, especially when you take into consideration that Mexico looked pretty poor. And I'm paraphrasing Tata Martino, who essentially said the same things, the Mexican national team manager. In their 0-0 draw against Costa Rica Mm -hmm. at the Stadio Azteca, that's where this game is now. I feel like they have to win, but Panama, yeah, I think, you, can't, you can't sleep on these guys. Yeah, Panama.
1: but I think Mexico, Mexico always also find a way, and I think Mexico win this one. I, I actually think somewhat comfortably, and this is actually good for us because if they the US would do us, yeah, they do us a huge favor, and then we beat Panama ourselves. Like we create a little bit of that gap because then it's down to that head-to-head, which makes me nervous. The U.S. national team playing any game makes me nervous at the moment, but I think that's the could be the differentiator there in terms of uh, whatever. I think Mexico get this one. Uh, at home and 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 sort of, uh, you know, maybe not comprehensively, but I think they find a way to beat this Panama side. They just got too much strength know. in the attack. They've just got too many things. That eventually, at some match, sometime they're going to open it up. And I think it could be against Panama, who are flying high with confidence right now. But again, uh, playing in Mexico is not easy, man.
0: No, it's not. It's not. I don't. I don't see Mexico losing this game, mm-hmm. but I could see them drawing just based on how things have been going. They were up a man against Jamaica and went down one zero. That's just. There's some type of vulnerability with the Mexican national team right now that, that uh, and I loved our poll yesterday when we said, who's, who's more angry, U.S. men's national team fans or Mexican fans? Because I feel like we're, we're living, leading similar lives or feeling similar yeah. things. And, and so I'm curious uh, how they're going to do. I do think that Mexico is going to scrape this. I just don't know if it's a full win or not. I mean, Mexico is going to qualify for the World Cup. They're not getting fourth, but it's, uh, I don't know. Maybe I won't say that. I will say Panama, though, have given up 12 goals and that is seventh best sixth mm-hmm. best so so they yeah they're currently in fourth but they give up they give up a lot of goals so if you can score that first one even Jamaica oh, Mexico Victoria. are totally
1: cool to go punch for punch with you um and, right. you know right absorbing yeah and yeah. they like chaos you know they you throw it at them they'll throw it back at you and if they can get three of their players isolated that's when they're at their best right one on one scenarios isolated in the attack that's when they do really really well so i think the us I think, I mean, sorry. I I think I said sorry like I'm Canadian. You did. I'm like, are you (laughs) that's a lot of respect to throwing the Canadians right now. (laughs) I'm 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 so proud of the way that they're playing that I talk like them now. But yeah, I I think Mexico win this one. I'm gonna say, uh, I'm gonna say actually I'm gonna say scoring a fair. I'm gonna go two-one.
0: I'm gonna say this this is gonna get real dicey in this last window. I think Panama get a draw. I think they're going there to get a draw. They're not trying to go to get a win. And if they get a draw there, then they still only stay one point behind Mexico. They go home in the next window and play Honduras. Mm -hmm. They should win that, right? And and, uh, Mexico plays us in the first game. So if we get, I mean, Panama could potentially be above Mexico if Panama can get a draw, and then we maybe get a draw at Estadio Azteca with two games left. And that would be nuts. Now we play uh, Panama at home, so we'd be doing the Mexicans a favor if we got a result there. And then they're at home to Canada, who will have nothing to play for at that point because
1: they'll have already qualified. So... By yeah, way, damn! What a game that is. Just uh, for everybody to know, these are all on who? Paramount Plus, uh, which Woo! is amazing. Um, you know, we've been giving away these giveaways. For those Woo! of you who've won these giveaways, log in, sign up, get these. I know Paramount They're Plus great.
0: have it's all these matters. games, so you got to make sure that you watch them. And the last game is a big one as well: Jamaica versus Costa Rica. They're currently uh, hoping that home. Panama trips up. Jamaica's at home. They Costa could. Rica. They beat right. Panama 1-0. They went to Mexico City, got a 0-0 results. I mean, they're having a fantastic Look. window here. They've only given up seven goals in 10 games. Wh- what are you saying in this one? Jamaica, I, it looks like too little too late. They just got... I think Jamaica get,
1: get at least a the draw. They're home. Okay. okay. Yeah, it's an empty it's an empty stadium right now, but they're home. And this is one of those things where you know that your your campaign's pretty much over, but you can motivate on, like, spoiling somebody else's parade, right? Spoiling somebody else's chances. You start to tap into those, like, we could be the ones that take them out. We could be that sort of thing. And then also I think that pride of winning at home, um, which they they obviously didn't do so far in this camp, right? They lost to Mexico um mm-hmm. after going up. And so um That was yeah, the heartbreaker for them. Yeah, that, that was the heartbreaker. That was pretty much the end for them. So there's some pride on the line here that I think will come to to uh a fruition against uh Costa Rica. And I'm saying I don't know if it's a high scoring, I'm gonna say maybe one 0 against Costa Rica. I don't score Costa Rica just doesn't have a ton. Um. Yeah, one nil. One nil, to Costa Rica. That's, I got,
0: that's, I got, I, this has got zero zero written all over it. Oh, I think Costa Rica is just going to hang. Antonio, man. Well, okay. Yeah, I just killer Navas, man. I mean, I can yeah, cancel out your no, Michael Antonio. I, I I just think Costa Rica is going to do enough to hang around and be a threat to Panama or whoever's going to finish in fourth. And if Jamaica wins this one, that's really going to put a big dent into that. Not necessarily. I guess if if Mexico does the business and beats Panama, then they're still. Only four points behind with with four games left to go, but oh wow,
1: it's crazy. Man. Yeah. I am. Yeah. I mean, look, we we've, we've, we've done we've done shows every day, and I could talk all day about this, but I feel like we've pretty comprehensive in the fact that we're nervous for the U.S. team. <laughs> Canada are the best. Mexico need to win at home, and you know it's like we're start. I'm starting to side with different people who can get us points along the way just to help us. But yeah, man, I, I I'm 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 anxiously awaiting. All right, everybody,
0: there you have it, the most comprehensive preview that you can get for this CONCACAF World Cup qualifying window, or at least the last game of this window. We're going to go live on YouTube as a reminder after the U.S.-Honduras game to recap the action, so make sure you are there to hopefully celebrate with us. I'll bring the Champagne, and also make sure you're following the Kegel also Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever platform you choose to listen to your audio stuff. And leave us a rating and review. We just give you a free podcast. The least you can do is write some good stuff about all these cool free podcasts that we're giving. And if you're on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button and turn on that notification bell. All right, everybody, on behalf of our producer Des Norris and this very handsome man, Hollywood Heath Pierce, I'm Jimmy Conrad and we'll see you after the game. Later.
1: Now, streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready.
0: Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina, yeah.
1: For the movie that hits like a bus. In a good
0: way. No one dies. Mean Girls made it PT 13. Now, streaming on Paramount Plus.